Yes, sir. Amen. I appreciate the church and your faithfulness to support and care for souls behind prison and jail and prison bars. It's just been a blessing and uh, it's, it's sure been fun to be in the ministry. Appreciate you allowing us to continue to pray for the future. Jesus, I was thinking of Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. As I was hit 70 the other day, and not in driving, but in years. <laughs> not in driving in years. It, it, it gave me perspective. I was thinking of eternity and, and things, and, and I was asked, talking to the Lord about it, and he just said, hey, it's eternity. We, we're not dealing with time. We're dealing with eternity. And we've got to get at that perspective as we enter into the new year and as we look back at the old and the present. I'm not preaching yet. I'm just talking. So, but I, I just want you to think about that as we enter into the new year. We're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I do appreciate the church standing with us and appreciate your prayers and Souls are being saved there behind jail and prison bars and God is moving. Let's stand together at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're picking up verse 14 through 21, eight verses. And bear with me, it'll keep you awake if nothing else, just having to stand. And if you get a little more, just stand on one foot. That'll help you even more. <laughs> it'll, just, it'll help you. But praise the Lord, appreciate you. Pastor, allowing me to be here tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're thinking about the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we know Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, and hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed to us the word of reconciliation, now we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be, the, be made the righteousness of God in him. Look at verse 18, and then we'll pray. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ, and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Let's ask God to teach us tonight. Father, open our hearts, our understanding to the Word of God. Rebuke the powers of darkness, and Father, that we might be able to hear, receive what you have to say, Lord. It's not by works of righteousness, anything we've done, Lord, and not by it's only by you and your mercy and your grace. And I pray the Spirit of God would move and quicken. And Lord, may we have a new vision for the new year individually and personally, as well as as a group, as a church, have the vision, Lord. Our time is, is short before your soon return, and I pray for a moving of your spirit. And, Lord, may you draw some souls to salvation, but souls to, to call to service, Lord. We need some labors for the harvest and help while there be a moving and a shaking in the churches for labors for the harvest. 
before you soon return. Fill us now and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We think of that, just the thought, the ministry of reconciliation, verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ and had given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He's talking in context here that there's coming a reunion in chapter 5 there in, in verse 1 through 6. It's talking about the, where our life is, our body's like a tent. It's just a temporal thing and we're soon thing soon be absent the body is present with the Lord. We are confident, verse 8, willing rather to be absent the body to be present with the Lord. And that, and whether that verse 9, whether wherefore we labor, where the present absent may we be accepted of him. And we're going to get a reward. It talks about that. He's soon returned, but there's retribution, verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We need to be realizing there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Indeed, we need to wake up. But he gets, we, we get down to 14 through 21. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. I want to just give some nuggets. I'm, I'm not, I don't get into, <laughs> I, I'm not eloquent in my preaching, but I just want to be a servant of the Lord. And we want to look at some points as we look at this. There's some basic things in that 14 through 21. He, he begins with the motive, the motive for ministry, the motive. How many people, they, they're turning away from the ministry and for other things. And the Bible says, where, where your heart, where, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we're not to lay our treasures upon earth where moth and rust corrupt, thieves break through. We need to start laying some treasures up in heaven. And, and the question is, does the church love God? Do we really love Him? And it, it begins there, verse 14, just a, a, each verse, I got just a word maybe we could hold on to and think about. Number one, here in the ministry, that the motive of ministry is love. Number one, it should be, love should be the constraining, constraining factor here. Verse 14, for the love of Christ constrains us. Constrains us, what? It's to keep us within the limits. Keeps us within the limit. Men, why don't you just go out and get another woman? Love should keep us within the limits. Women, why don't you go, you know, just... You know, don't take care of the house and just, you know, sit on the couch and eat bombs all the day. You know, come on, you know. Yeah, yeah. Why? Love constrains you. It should be the love, not, you know, we have to do these things. Indeed, love is the constraining issue. I'll back up. The ministry is our duty of service. A ministry, it's a, it's a duty, but it's a service. Ministry. What's your ministry in the church? What's your service? Are we doing it as unto the Lord? Picking up the trash, sweeping the floor, passing out gospel tracts, singing songs. You're studying about spiritual gifts. I'm finding that's the key. If you find your spiritual gift and it's motivated and activated by love... (laughs) It don't matter if the pastor goes and, and runs off with secretary. If, it all, if the whole thing blows up, 
You're not married to the, the pastor. You're married to God. And the Holy Spirit of God. And, and you find your love relationship as you exercise your spiritual gifts with God. God, I think of Brother Roloff's 1 John 4, 7 and 8. He said, Beloved, let us love one another. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Singing this late at night doesn't work very good. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, you got the drift. But love is of God. That's who he is. That's the essence of his person, his character. And because of his love, he must judge sin. And because of his love, he provided the, the antidote for sin. The love of Christ. What does it, it do? It should constrain. It was keep us within the limits. And I think of, of, look over at the Gospel of John. John 14. Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 15. John 14, 15. John 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what it means to keep within our bounds, constrained. If we love him, we should keep his commandments. But notice verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. I will love him and manifest myself to him. When you start tapping into the love of Christ by being obedient, then you begin to experience God in a whole new way and it moves it from a duty to a relationship to a privilege. I find with inmates, if they, they can tap into the heart of God, their life is a mess. They're full of confusion and failures but they suddenly realize that God has a plan and a purpose for their life and they are loved and accepted in the beloved and he's a father to the fatherless and they have gifts and abilities. Man, they get on fire. They go back to the cell and I don't have to ride their coattails. They start holding Bible studies. They start praying. I got this one old boy, uh, Edwards, I think is his name, he was, he was like a, whoo, he was a little strange. His thinking was strange. And one of the brothers back there, he said, he come to a Bible study. He said, man, this dude's a mess. Chap Bottom, you've got to work with him. I said, all right, bring him in. I brought him in. I thought, whoo, what have I got into? He was a little out there. But I found out that the man was saved. But he'd been homeless. He'd just been thrown around and kicked around. And, and, but he was picking up from all kinds of directions. But he, yet, he, 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 there was some God in there. And as we begin, he come to repentance and dealing with these things. This old boy, he could see a country mile in the spirit realm. And he began to have a vision for reaching. So he, he knew judgment was coming. And he knew that God was real. God started using him. And man, it, it became amazing to see how many men... He was, he was holding the Bible study and how many men he was sending it constantly. Sent me one big old burly African-American guy looked so rough and he had led that man to Christ. I couldn't have reached him in a hundred years 
But he reached him. <laughs> and that boy, he was sitting there just as sheepishly, just quiet, meek, want to be taught the Word of God, well, come to repent. I thought, ooh, look here. The love of God, the love of God, it constrains us. You can, you can, the law cannot constrain rebellion. Rebellion's a matter of the heart. And if we don't deal with the heart, the rebellion will continue. If you put them in jail, it's not going to change. It, it just, there's no restraint upon the heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. Why? The love of Christ constrains us. Notice number two. Number two, we've got to keep moving. Verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You see, I see in this verse, we, number one was constraint. Number two, consecration. Consecration. Knows, consecration means to devote uh, uh, irrevocably to the, to the worship of God. To be devoted irre, irrevocably to the worship of God. Notice it said in the middle of this verse, not live, should live, not henceforth, live, and I'll, I'll begin it from the first, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Yes, Meaning, from now on, we're going this way. Yeah, that's right. Why? Because now I've, that he died for all, that now yeah. I have a new life. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Crucified men don't go back. They're dead. They don't go back. They don't get down. They, they're dead. Yes. Know that he is crucified is, is dead to sin. Romans 6 speaks of that. Romans 6, 6. But you're alive in Christ. So we come to that place of con consecration, being consecrated, committed to God. And it's out of love, knowing that Christ died for us, that now we don't, we don't live unto our own self. We've got to come to that place of that love of Christ constraining us and that love of Christ bringing a consecration. Oh, but verse, verse 16 is very important and it's really tricky. Many don't understand, but it's important. Verse 16, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. What's this talking about? The key word here is cover, that I'm using here, it covers. Love covers. Mm -hmm. It constrains, it's consecration, but it covers. Henceforth know we no man after, the key is the flesh. The flesh, love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude. It's not, uh, it does not overlook the sin, but it, it covers the sinner with compassion and love. No, no man after flesh. What? How does that flesh out? Such were some of you. We think of Corinthians chapter six. But you're washed. You're sanctified. Yeah. You're justified. Maya. Some are tattooed up. Some have piercings. Some have some have all kinds of history. They've had so many husbands and so many wives, so many abortions, so many hurts, so many pains, somebody deaths, destructions in their past history. No, we no man after the flesh. 
Christ looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. And yes, we would do what best we can with what we have. But yet the church needs to look on the heart. And the love covers a multitude of sin in that respect. I think of, of Proverbs 10, verse 12. I'll whip over there and make sure I'm, I may be misquoting it there. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. And write that address down. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. There it is. Hatred stirreth up strife. But love covereth all sins. It doesn't mean they haven't been wrong. It doesn't mean that sin, the wrong is right. But we, our goal is to try to move forward and not dwell on the past. We're to try to get others to come to repentance, come to submission. But we're not to deal just on the negative, the negative of sin of people's past and their failures and all of, of things. I, I have a, many people ask me, well, this person that trusted Christ I'm working with, many times I, I, I forget, they said, was he African American? Was he Spanish? Was he white? And I get to say, I don't know. I don't remember. I just don't remember. Because you, you get to working with the hearts of individuals and they're all, we're all in such a mess anymore. We, we've got to lay aside the prejudice. Thing. We, re, we realize there are certain groups have certain characteristics. And we're not ignorant of those things. But we're not to let that hinder us. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. <laughs> and we, we're, we're to go forward. Henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yet though we have known Christ after flesh... Yet now, henceforth, know we know him no more. What does that mean? They don't know Christ. No, they don't know him after the flesh. Right. He's already gone on. His, he's been crucified. He's gone. And so in the same way, love covers the, a multitude of sin. That I think of Joseph, how in the Christmas story, how, how Joseph covers Mary, her character and her reputation that the world would say, oh, she's been unfaithful to him and all. But he got a word from God that what was going on, it was of the Holy Ghost. And that Mary, he, and he went ahead and married her. He didn't make her a public example. We, we're to choose the high road. Choose the high road and have the character to cover sin. In your marriages, we, we have problems but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. We're to deal with those issues and forgive. And how many men I've dealt with in jail? Well, 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 well she, she, she was unfaithful with me. She's unfaithful. But, yeah, but were you unfaithful? Were you married when you first got together? No. And, and then have, since you be, have you been faithful? No. But she hurt me. Pride. Pride. Yeah. We all need to repent. Yes. If we caught chunking stones, we better get out of that glass house. But we better humble ourselves and forgive one another. And I said, besides, dude, 
Where are you going to find any woman that wants anything like you? Look at yourself. You are a mess. And if anyone wants you, you better clean up and get, get your act together. And thank God there's somebody that even cares about you. They, they wake up to that thing. It covers them all too. What else did it do? Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, it, cover, it converts. True love converts. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It converts. Think of Peter. Peter when thou art converted, in Luke chapter 2, verse 32, says, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Converted. He, it converts. It changes. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men. They see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 32. 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians chapter 4, 21 through 32. Thinking of that, it converts, it changes. If so be that you have heard him, been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. I think this is important. Many people are trying to act converted when they're saved when they're not converted, not truly come to a relationship with Christ. But we must have, many are trying to turn over a new leaf, trying to change that word convert. It means to turn around, but they're not doing it by the Spirit. They've got to be taught by Him the truth as in Jesus. Ephesians 4 verse 21. Then once we are taught the truth in Jesus... There should be a change put off concerning the former conversations. Verse 22, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of mind and that you put on the new man, which is after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore put away lying. You see, there's so many people that's trying to put on that has never put off. The, I'm, I'm for alcohol programs and drug programs and, and trying to disciple these men. But what they're missing, they are not leading them in repentance prior to all this stuff. And until you come to true repentance, you, can, you can't put a bow on a pig's tail. No. You've got to, there's got to be a cleaning up. Yes, sir. Cleaning up of the heart. That's right. And it, it's getting saved, but there's also repentance. They're carrying all this anger and bitterness and rage and then you're, you're just trying to, we've got to come to that place of a true conversion of putting off that thing and letting the mind of Christ be renewed in the spirit of the mind and then that wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. goes on, verse 27, neither give place to the devil, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. He that stole, steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. How it goes on. And verse 32, if we're truly converted, it comes to the place that we not grieve in the Holy Spirit. Verse 30, but 32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. There must be a, a t- coming to that place to receive forgiveness. We must be willing to give forgiveness, to, to surrender to and repent of our sin and turn people over to God 
and finding the grace of God and receiving Christ and obeying Him. Being, not grieving that Holy Spirit, converted. If, it, it's amazing to see this in work, working there in the jail. We're going back in 2 Corinthians 5. I'll read that verse again. There, the verse, it's to turn around, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's not instantaneous. It's a working. There's a desire. There should be a hunger as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. There should be a hunger for the Word of God. There should be a, a desire to be taught. But they still may have the old man struggling. They may be full of anger. They may be given ground to the enemy. So they must come to that place of repentance and, and re working with that thing and being renewed in the spirit of our mind. All converted. The love of Christ will convert us. It will change us. Even as some have to go through harder things than others. I know many of the disciples, they got it pretty quick. But Peter, whoo, Peter, <laughs> he, had to, he had to get a lick before he really woke up. And he finally de denied the, the Lord and the Lord looked at him, and I think in the jailhouse, they, they look from one cell to the other and say, what's up, what's up? And when one is, is, not, is betraying the other group or whatever, the group there, what's up? Maybe the Lord looked at him, what's up, Peter? <laughs> what's up, Peter? <laughs> yeah, big talk, big talk. I'll never deny you. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> it brought conviction upon him. It brought conviction upon him. He came to that place of true conversion. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And there needs to be incubation time and working with these individuals and coming in. And our, our society is so saturated with garbage. We need to have the church has, needs a lot of incubators to work with people because it's unbelievable even the children today the burdens and suicidal thoughts and things that's, is, is there. It's, the church is, needs to be aware of what's going on, this, this process. Oh, we, we keep moving here. Notice we see that uh, verse 18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled unto us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. I think that love has a call a call there for verse 18. It's a call had given to us the ministry. It's a duty. It's a, it's a responsibility of service. It's a call. The ministry of reconciliation. But I know God's given pastors, evangelists, and, and preachers, pastor teachers. and yeah, He's given people with gifts, but we're all to be, we're called to a ministry of reconciliation. That's why it's so important that we are to, to be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God hath, in Christ has forgiven us. If we're not being reconciled, being willing to reconcile, we're not about God's ministry. We've got to come the ministry of reconciliation to getting people. We're to get back together. We're to forgive, but then we're to lead others and to be reconciled to God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's what it's talking about. And how indeed we're to bring them back, reconciled, to be restored to friendship, to harmony, communion. 
We've got a calling, not just for the pastors, but for all of us. We need to be about God's business. Oh, what else? We, we, there's, there's a commitment, verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. It's a charge or trust or duty. We're, we're to, God is calling us that commitment. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 Corinthians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It's a commitment. It's a commitment, a charge or trust or duty that he's, he's called in a commitment, a ministry of reconciliation. Many people say, well, it's, it's not of works, not of works, not of works, not of works. That's beautiful. And it's salvation is not a works, but we are created in Christ Jesus and two good works. There's a commitment. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. What are we going to do with it? We have a responsibility to take care of the business, to, to bring this. He did the dying that we might do the living, that we might communicate to others. Wow, the commitment there. Oh, the calling. And here, I like this verse 20. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you, by us we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. I see here a career, a career. <laughs> a career is, is a profession for which one undertakes as a uh, permanent calling, as a permanent calling. Many don't understand that you're an ambassador you have a, yes, we may, you work for a living, but who are you? You're an ambassador for Christ. For God, for now we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. I may have shared this story before. I went into the, the vestibule area and I had called ahead, called the inmate out. And this big burly Hispanic or Hispanic, no, it was an African American guy, big tall guy, came out in the hall, and he he the officer had already pulled him, and I just stepped into the hall, and he come running, he, he had a scowl on his face and says, "Who's looking for me?" And he he said, he had been rough. He was a gang banger out in the street. Who's looking for me out here? And he. Looking to the officer, and I was stepped in the hall. I said, "God's looking for you." <laughs> now that wasn't my normal protocol, but it, <laughs> if God said do it, I said, "Okay, God." <laughs> it just came upon me all of a sudden. I had to do it. <laughs> I said, "Gonna get me killed, Lord." <laughs> but it was amazing as I said that his whole countenance dropped. He said, I had a dream last night that God was calling me. He almost, and I took him to chapel. He started crying and got saved. I was like, glory to God. <laughs> I said, Don't underestimate. You have a career. You have, you have a, a, your calling. You're an ambassador for Christ. We beseech you as in God's stead. Be reconciled to God. You never know. And it, you may just pass that gospel track out, said, 
is there anything we could pray for you? We have prayer at our church. Anything we can pray for you about? And it just might be there. You're that ambassador. They might just, this or that has just happened. People aren't doing this anymore. Really caring about individuals. It's all on the phone. It's all there. And you look them in the eye and, and concern for their soul, speaking to them. Who could tell what God might do? And you might just see the hand of God using you and you say, wow, me, God, me, God, an ambassador standing for God. We're all, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, said, go ye there. It says, all power is given me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, and, teach, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I'm with you all the way into, even unto the end of the world. Wow. We have a, all powers given to us. Heaven and earth. And we, we are to be as ambassadors. It's, it's beautiful when you realize, you say, but it's like Moses said, Lord, I, I can't speak. I can't speak. And we think, I can't do this, I can't do that. It's not who we are. It's who he is. Yeah, and as we see that, and step into that, we're going to see God show up. <laughs> and it gets sort of fun as you do that, as you're realizing, many of you think, well, I'm a nobody, and I'm coming from nowhere, and I have nowhere to go. <laughs> I'm just lost in a sea of emptiness and uh, un, not being used. But as you begin, you realize you're adopted in the family of God. You're given a position. You've here... You, you're an ambassador for God. Ambassador is a big word, but it's a title of a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign sovereign or government as the resident representative of his own sovereign or government or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. You are representing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you're the only representative that individual may have this side of glory. Don't underestimate the words, your actions. Let your light so shine before men they see your good works yes. and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I think of 2 Corinthians 4 or 5. It's near there. For we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. It's not who we are is what message we're bringing. Yes. We're, made, we're bringing the truth. We're praying light. We're bringing hope. We're praying healing. We're bringing forgiveness. We've got something that's worth. It's, it's very valuable. We must see and, and who we are in relation. As you step into that, the ambassador for Christ. And as we see in verse 20, and pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. But that that's the, the motive, but what is the, what's the message? What's the message of all of this? Verse 21, Christ. Christ is the message. Yes. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Notice verse 14. It says, one died for all. Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. The message is Christ. One has died for all. His, there's, the price has been paid. There's hope. There's help. There's healing. 
One has paid the price. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Verse 18, notice verse 18, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. It's God has provided a means of reconciliation to be restored to harmony, communion there, and friendship is through Christ. Verse 18. Verse 19 speaks of the same thing, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespassing or putting to their account their trespassing. How often I tell to the men, wouldn't you love to have your rap sheet cleared? That's where there all the accusations on the computer screen. Just highlight it all and hit that delete button. Oh, glory to God. ATW, all, all the way. You're, you're going home. Boy, that's what God has done for us. As through Christ Jesus, you can have the past covered with the blood of Jesus. Trespass is covered. Wow, what, what a mighty God. Notice that we in he, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. We've just gone through the Christmas time. Hebrews chapter 2, we see the beauty of our Savior coming in flesh. Hebrews 2, 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. Here he took upon flesh that he might set us free. Verse 14, verse 16. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore he is in all things it behooved him to be made like unto the brethren that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. He understands. He understands. It's like the, the story of the, the many have communicated at Christmas time. The, the, it was Christmas time and the, the, the bells were ringing for church and uh, the lady was going off to the Christmas Eve service and the man said, no, I'm going to stay home. He was an unbeliever. There he was at home. It began to snow and, and had the big picture window and the light was on and the, all of a sudden the birds started hitting the picture window and there he said, boy, the birds have got to get them in from the snow. And he went to the barn and opened the barn and tried to get them into the barn and shoo them in and call them in. And they would not come. And then he, about that time, he said, if I could just communicate with them, if I was just a bird. And then the bells began to ring. And he started realizing that the incarnation of Christ, how he had to come and take upon flesh, that we might, indeed, he might draw us unto himself that he might free us from the bondage of sin, who they're all their lifetime subject to bondage. That's why I, I'm addicted to jails and prisons because it's just like birds setting them free or getting them into refuge and, and finding help because they're, they're in bondage, bondage of sin and hopelessness and guilt and shame. But the gospel can set them free. That's right. Amen. And it's amazing to set them free. 
and just Fort Bend the other day, I worked with several men, and they lined up, and, and one sent a hard gang member got right with God, and, and he's got them, and I walked in there, and this younger guy, he was waiting in line, and I said, just a minute, I got another guy over here, I'll get you in a minute. It's just waiting in line to hear, and, and hearing the gospel, and coming to repentance, and crying out, and the light's coming on in their life. Oh, deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Right. Dealt with so many men that's been in psych hospitals. They've gone through everything, been in prisons, psych hospitals, all kinds of things. And PTSD, men that's been in military or been on the streets, their friends have been killed. They're carrying so much bondage of sin. But the Spirit of God, the blood of Jesus, cleanses their conscience from dead works to serve a true and living God. It's, it's amazing. I said, go back to that passage of Scripture. I want to emphasize that final verse. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. I just don't put up with people talking about Jesus being a sinner. No. You know, Mary Magdalene having a relationship or something, all that. I said, you, you're, no, we're not going to talk. This, this, our, our spotless Lamb of God, He's, he's a, our loving Savior, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. We see this in, in Jesus Christ. That, that's the message that we have. And as you approach the new year, may we see we have a ministry. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We, we should be motivated by love. Yeah. Don't come to this church just because you have to. Come because you get to, and you get to meet with the Word of God and the brethren and sisters, the Word of God, and hear communion, and we get to serve Him. Our time is soon going to be gone. We need to, not speaking of tonight, I'm speaking of eternity, of, of this earthly tenure. We'll soon be on the other side. We need to prepare. That's why in that context... There he's speaking, our, our body is like a tent. If you ever gone camping in there, in, in that tent, I know y'all used to go down by the river and uh, that tent, and invariably you get, boy, it'll be clear weather and you get out there and, tent, and it'll come a deluge, a flood and everything and, and the wind storms and blows up. And for long you say, I want to get out of this tent. <laughs> I'm going to the house. And our body starts breaking down. And before long you get thinking, <laughs> I want to get out of here. I want to go on to the house. Yeah. And then my dad got where he couldn't hear the dogs run for coon hunting. He couldn't see to shoot. He said, it's about time to go to the house. <laughs> about time to go to the house. And so there's a coming time. It's coming soon, but we need to be ready. And we have a message. The Lord Jesus Christ, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Let's look to him in the new year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for mercies to us. We pray you would help us to reach more souls in this new year. Give us the vision. And I pray each person might get a vision. May, Father, we be filled with your Holy Spirit and you and afresh and utilize the gifts of the church, the Father, to accomplish your holy will. And, Father, bless in the preaching, the fellowship to come. In Jesus' name, amen.